Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, and I am joined by Brian Christopherson, Michael Bruns here on Tuesday evening. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Uh, go ahead, Bruns. How are you doing? Doing all right. No complaints. What's going on? I got a lot to talk about tonight. Halfway point of spring ball. Are we at the halfway point? Yeah, we're uh, we're on the we're at the turn. We're heading back. W- get out the orange wedges and the Capri Suns. Yeah, we're we're heading. We're get get a hot dog. Get get uh, get all 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 energized for the back nine. We, we're we're gonna we're gonna go low on the back nine here. Do you like playing? Do you get? Do you guys play a tenth hole with like a hot dog and like that little sleeve and it? You kind of gotta. You don't finish it until maybe your second shot on the 10th hole. So you got to kind of stick it like where the Gatorade supposed to go. Uh, do you, do you have that problem on the 10th hole? No, generally I don't eat until like I'm off the, and I'm just done. Like I might grab like a Snickers or something in between, but, um, no, I, I can't say that I've ever had the hot dog conundrum that you speak of. Yeah, it's a problem. Cause I like a little ketchup on there and then you kind of get it on your golf glove. And that's a, uh, that's a continual struggle for me. I don't, uh, I'm like, I'm like Will Myers and Evan Gaddis. I don't do the golf glove. Oh, wow. Man. Aren't you a man's man? Yeah, really? <laughs> it, it's not that it's that I sweat profusely with my hands. And so like my, like whenever I've had a golf glove, it's ruined within like two times of wear. Like it just gets all like hard and crinkly and then unusable. Are you that guy that's used that you're sweating so much that you're having to use a towel to grip your clubs? Um, no, but that's not a terrible idea. One of the, yeah. one of the issues that I run into, and I know we're, we're diving way too deep into this already is that my club face will open up a little bit because my club will slide in my hands on my, my backswing. That's your so, story? What is that? That's your story? Yeah, that's, I mean... That's why it's opening up a little bit? That's that's part of it, sure. Besides just being bad at golf. <laughs> there's, there's that aspect, too. But we can also find other reasons, Brunts. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I actually played for the first time on Saturday, and the driver is still good. The putter is okay, and the approach shots are trash. Did uh, was it a scramble? Yeah, it was a scramble. So it it makes it a little bit easier. If if forced to uh, forced to play my own ball, it's never as pretty. I gotta say, Quarry Oaks, uh, first time I'd ever played out there. Number seventeen is as gorgeous as everyone says it is. Great hole. It is a beautiful course. The question is, can the Husker passing game go long just like you go off the tee? That's my transition. All right. Well, that's not bad. And we we heard plenty of talk about that on Monday, whether it was Scott Frost, whether it was Cam Taylor Britt, whether it's wide receivers themselves. Certainly feels like uh, Nebraska and they uh, they are dialed into to what they couldn't do last year, which was run the football and – throw deep I mean that's been the topic of conversation for much of any time the offense has been up what do you make of it so far um I mean I I I can see why uh uh 
there's optimism about uh, the passing game extending because of some of the options they have. Uh, one of them being Samore Ture, who we heard from uh, the other day. Uh, he was pretty impressive, I thought, for a guy with in his first time in front of the Nebraska media where there's like 25 people around him. I'm sure it wasn't quite the same at the University of Montana. Definitely 6'3", too. Uh, fits, fits the measurements. And I thought what was interesting about him was – him saying that he really likes that slot position. Cause I think when it was first found out a couple of weeks ago that he was in the slot, some people are like, Oh, that's kind of, I didn't expect that. That's interesting. He said he started that way at Montana and he just likes the, the matchups it creates and thinks it's a good call for, for him to play there. So, um, you know, that, I think he's going to obviously be one of the biggest uh, curiosities when people can see practice Saturday, the ones that are in the stadium and also on May 1st. I, with the, the discussion about going deep um, and, and throwing the ball down the field, I, I was at least intrigued because Cam Taylor Britt brought it up himself. Um, not really prompted, I guess, Um and about how this spring they're having to cover so many more deep routes as defensive backs and that it was starting to get a little grading um, from all the running they were having to do. So, you know, I I think that this time of year, there's always, uh, you know, I I think it's fair to maybe take some storylines with a a dose of skepticism, but I thought the fact that, um, you know, he brought that up by himself I thought maybe kind of lends a little bit more credence to the fact that Nebraska is really trying to get down the field more, which this awesome offense desperately needs to do. Also, you know, with Scott Frost saying that, you know, Logan Smothers was getting it down the field a little bit more uh, than he had before too. So, um, you know, it, it's, there's still not a lot, uh, not a lot that's proven at wide receiver. Um, you know, Omar Manning is still out there somewhere. Xavier Betts is, I think going to have a bigger year. There's been some talk around Oliver Martin, but it's, it seems like, you know, when you kind of think about who they've got there and, and the stature of some of those guys, it would make, it would make sense that they were getting down the field a little bit more this spring. When, you, feel, say that, when you say that Omar Manning is out there somewhere, you do mean that he's on the practice field. Yes. Practicing. Uh-huh. He's out there. And okay. we, we just have to be specific because, you know, yeah. yeah, no, sorry. Yeah, he's he's been practicing um, and and making plays. So that's you know again. I mean, we, we've we've said this repeatedly. I think that you almost kind of have to just approach it like, okay, you made it through winter conditioning. Great. Um, he's out there this spring, uh, giving you some reps out there. That's a positive. Um, and just kind of take it one step at a time. So um, that's another guy that there's a ton of intrigue about. Um, but I, I think you just kind of have to kind of take it in, in, in small bites, I guess, um, you know, with, with what he might look like uh, by the time the fall ro- rolls around. It sounds like it's been a good start for the receivers. Uh, Frost said they had one of their better practices Friday during the oh. scrimmage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, I'll go both ways with it. Uh, they're the two skill position spots everybody's curious about, running backs, receivers. I feel like there's – uh, uh, sort of an arrow up type of vibe about the receivers right now. Um, you know, with, with some new blood in there and some of the guys in their second year, like Betts and Will Nixon and Elante Brown starting to kind of get involved. 
And then the running back is, I'm not sounding the alarms, but it's not been what you hoped as far as the competition goes halfway through, because you kind of had this idea there's going to be five or six scholarship guys going head to head and you're starting to form this rough draft of who's where, and that hasn't been possible. You know, step is out until the summer and it seems like a couple other guys haven't really been in the mix because of various things. And so it's basically, you know, you're hearing about Gabe Irvin a lot, which is exciting, but you also don't know who he's really compared to because it's hard to make sense of who's out there right now. So I think the receiver part, I feel good about running backs. It's like, yeah, that's not, not ideal. Yeah, I, I agree with, with Brian. I definitely think arrow up with wide receiver and it's, you know, Brunt's mentioned those four of uh, two Ray bets, Manning and Martin, but also, you know, William Nixon is someone who's been mentioned a little bit. You Wyatt Lever and, and Levi Falk have been mentioned as well. Alante Brown. I, I just think that group, it's pretty deep. Uh, compared to, to where it was last year, just adding Samari Toure, getting Omar Manning back in the mix, and then actually having Oliver Martin, adding all of that with another year of Xavier Betts. I just think that there's a lot more to be excited about with that receiver group than what there was for much of 2020. So I think that's part of it. And then, you know, as Brian said, with the running backs, if you're not practicing, if they're not able to help out, they're not able to take advantage of these reps that are there for them this spring. And that has to be difficult for Ryan Hill. But we, we spent quite a bit of time you know, running down the offense, you guys want to talk about the defense and their lack of nuts that uh, they may have because they're running all over the field or is it? No, it's the offensive players as Garrett Nelson put it that are, you know, blocking their nuts off or running their nuts off. So I guess it's still on the offensive side of the ball, but let's, let's go defense. What has stood out for you so far, you know, through the spring with what you've heard from the defense? Well, in turn, I guess that means the defense is running their nuts off too, to keep up. So it it does apply. Um, we'll break that down later, but, uh, you know, this is, I guess, kind of swinging it back to the offense, but Garrett Nelson's quote the other day, I thought was one of the more interesting ones of the spring because Garrett Nelson understands. And he, he mentioned it while he was saying it, like, I don't want the hype train to go through the wall here and say, we have the best offense in the world that we're going against and all this and that, but he, he was saying that it's been a good trade-off of kind of blow for blow where the defense lands a punch and the offense comes back with one. And I think that's a good sign um, in a way because I think a lot of people sort of thought the defense might just run away with it this spring and kind of own uh, a majority of, of the reps uh, because of all the experience on that side of the ball. Uh, so – I, I guess that's good, uh, but I think there's good competition going on. I think the cornerback spot's really interesting opposite Cam Taylor Britt, just like we thought it would be. It's sort of the, as you would have dissected it with Nadab, Joseph, Braxton, Clark, Quinton Newsom in the mix. And then, uh, you know, outside linebacker, I think is kind of interesting. Like uh, what happens with behind sort of Garrett Nelson, Phil Darius Payne, can a guy like Blaze Gunnerson or Jamari Butler uh, kind of jump into the mix and at least get some reps. So there's, there's, there's sort of these interesting little sidebars going uh, on the defensive side of the ball uh, that I think we're going to learn a lot more about actually in the next week or two. Yeah. It's a, it's an intriguing group. The, the defense as a whole, because I mean, you have so many guys back, 
even the, the young guys that, that got a lot of time, I'm mean, thinking of, you know, a Casey Rogers, a Ty Robinson, you know, it, it really is just kind of elbows out, I think, for, for reps right now in, in practices. And, you know, th- there's a few spots, I think, that are, are obviously up for grabs. I mean, that, that cornerback spot opposite Cam Taylor Britt um, being the, the biggest one in my mind. But, um, you know, it, it just seems like, a, from, from, at least from what I've heard, a group that kind of says, okay, you know, we, we know the system. This is year four. We got a lot of guys back. And, you know, I, I think Tony Tuioti, I think Casey Rogers, and, and a lot of those guys along the defensive line talked a lot about how they felt like there was still a lot of missed opportunities last year for them, especially against the run, um, even though they did take a step forward statistically in a positive direction. So I, I think that's kind of an ideal place to be where, you have veterans coming back. You have some young guys that you're mixing in. You, you know, I think have a little bit of momentum um, coming off of last season, but at the same time, you, you have a pretty clear picture of where you need to continue to improve. In my mind, that's tr- the, the kind of havoc plays, turnovers, sacks, that kind of thing. And how do you kind of do that? But um, it, it just, it's a, it's a group of fewer questions, but I, I think it's, it's, they're in a position to really kind of fine tune things, which is kind of where they're at in my mind. Am I wrong? I don't think you're wrong. I think it's pretty evident this spring that the defense is ahead of where the offense is in terms of building this program because you are getting that opportunity where you have those veterans that you're going to be counting on. They don't have to do as much this spring, and you get to see what you have with the Jamari Butlers and Mosai Newsoms and Lineums and Noah Pola Gates. And they just have guys at every level that they get an opportunity for those to get valuable spring reps while you also have your veterans that you know you're working through and you can count on. Uh, when you get there this fall. And so I, I think that just sort of speaks to how the, the difference between where the defense is and the offense is, you know, we're talking about guys needing to step up and prove themselves. You don't really have that as much on the defense. You're looking to reload. You're looking to uh, to build back behind them because you already have the guys that have emerged. And so that's, it, it just feels like it hasn't been as stark to me as it is this year, just how different those two sides of the ball are. Yeah, the, with the defense, it's more about the individual stories are more about who can set themselves up amongst the young guys almost for next year in a way. And I don't mean to dismiss the idea that some of them can't help right now in 2021, but that's the difference between the defense and the offense. With the offense, we're talking about younger guys like you need to contribute right now and they're needed at, at certain spots. It's a defense. It's like they have cover for a year to kind of grow uh, with all of without all the heavy weight on their shoulders. So that is a very, uh, that's a good spot for Eric Janander to be in. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely, completely agree. And, and, you know, I, I'll be, I'll be interested if you get the ones versus the ones at some point, whether it's this upcoming Saturday or uh, May 1st, if it does feel like there's a bit of a difference there and in, in what those guys are able to execute. And if they do look like they're stressed, from Nebraska's offense, because I think that would be a good sign overall. Should we take a break and then we can come back and talk about Nebraska's quickly filling up June and all the visits they have lined up? Yes. Yes, let's do that. Well, it wasn't really a question that you got to answer in the the negative. So that's exactly what we're going to do. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We're going to dive into recruiting. A lot going on there. So stick around here on the Husker 24-7 podcast. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. So Nebraska is busy. They're setting up these official visits. They've got six of them already planned for the first weekend in June. Two more were announced today. Uh, so that lines up eight official visits already. And I know from some brief communication that I've had earlier this week, Nebraska is expecting a much bigger than just those eight visits June. So um, expect every weekend to be pretty full uh, of visitors. That's how Nebraska wants to approach it. And I don't know about you guys, but it finally feels like there's light at the end of the tunnel and there's a little recruiting momentum going on for this program right now. It's been a while. <laughs> like I, yeah. I was, I was thinking about that the other day. It's like the, the last kind of big visit thing to happen was like January of 2020, right? It was like a, there was like a junior day at the end yeah. of January. A, well, yeah, because you had you had Ruquan Buckley came out for it. You had Heinrich Harburg was at it. You had a number of guys that were at that January 2020 event. So yeah, it's uh, I. Any kind of visits are, is a positive thing. And I think Nebraska is setting itself up well to build on the work that they've done in the last year. I mean, a lot of these guys that are that have already set up visits, I mean, it's – did any of these guys, I guess, that have set up visits now, did they surprise you that they're coming to see Nebraska almost right away when they can or very quickly thereafter? Because, I mean, these are names that we've heard for – you know, the last year to nine months that, you know, Nebraska was really pursuing them. Are there any that surprised me? Yeah. Um, I think that the, so of the initial names, the, the six that they have visiting that first weekend, those are pretty common targets. Mumu bin Wahad who's coming in June 24th through June 26th or June 25th through June 27th. One of those two. Uh, he he's a pretty common target I think at this point that we've talked about written about the name that kind of jumps out he's one of the new ones here on Tuesday Grant Page comes from Colorado same high school as Kenny Bell I think he's a wide receiver I think that's when Nebraska would be looking at him but he could also be a defensive back he's six foot two he's long he's rangy uh, he's got good athleticism I think he wants to play offense and he's not a name that I'm really that familiar with, but looking back through our system at 24 seven sports, he's been hearing from Nebraska for a long time. And so this is a guy that, uh, you know, in the 500 mile radius over in Colorado, an area we know they like to recruit and especially want to get those visits from, he hasn't been out here yet, but he's been talking to Nebraska for a while. And so I think that visit's really going to matter. I think he likes the staff already with the relationship that he's kind of built there and Iowa state and Kansas state, Two teams that are going to be common, I think, for a lot of Nebraska's recruiting battles here this year. Um, those those are the other teams. And so he's kind of the – Grant Page is the outlier for me. The rest of these guys we've been talking writing about a lot. And you look at those two kids in Kansas in uh, 
Jaron Canick and um, Gavin Myers from Hayes, Kansas. You know, we've written about that. That's going to be a Nebraska-Kansas State battle. It feels that way. Um, that's a huge visit weekend right there off the bat. Jalen Marshall, I just talked to here on Tuesday night. He's really excited to come up. He's been talking a lot with Tony Tuioti. That's a defensive lineman that can play either the end spot or the nose guard spot. Loves the idea of being in a 3-4. Nebraska could move pretty quickly there if that visit goes well. So, you know, it's a uh, – they've just got these guys coming in. James Mons, we've talked about it. He's got a crystal ball. Popeye Williams was supposed to come out in March. And Nico Davalier, someone that Tony tuioti has been talking a lot with. I mean, these are all just names that people know if they've been following this a little bit, and they're finally going to get to campus. And so it feels like the way Nebraska has things set up, they could get some pretty quick yeses in the month of June, and suddenly this class of two could be, you know, a class of eight uh, or maybe even better. And so I, I think things are really looking up for Nebraska at this point. The other, I guess, piece of, that we can kind of talk about too um, – looking ahead a little bit to 2023 um, probably the, the top uh, you know, most likely quarterback commit in that class for Nebraska, Reese Mooney uh, tonight uh, decommitted from Houston. Uh, he was committed there to play baseball. We've talked about him. He's coming up to, to see Nebraska's uh, red white game on May 1st, a guy that obviously is familiar with the program. He, he comes from a family of Nebraska fans down in, uh, down in Louisiana think obviously, you know, that was kind of the first step, I think, and in, in maybe uh, leading to his commitment eventually. But, um, you know, some, some movement too, I guess, in 2023, in addition to, um, you know, what Nebraska's got going in 2022 as well. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it certainly, you've talked with him, I've talked with him a little bit. I mean, this is a guy that, that clearly – likes what he's hearing from Nebraska and certainly has a history of, of, you know, uh, Nebraska fandom. Like it, it feels like it's pointed in a certain direction and you got to feel pretty excited if you're a Nebraska fan, right Bronx? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think, you know, the Nebraska offered almost a year ago um, and, and really kind of beat everybody to the punch. I believe they were his first offer. Um He's talked to Scott Frost three or four times, um, you know, talks regularly, regularly with Mario Verduzco. Um, and, and you just, you, you have that family tie to the program. I mean, it's, it, uh, I believe it started with his grandfather. His dad's a big Nebraska fan uh, as well. So um, I, I think, you know, Nebraska's in a good spot there, um, you know, depending on, you know, what, what ultimately I guess his timeline kind of looks like for a decision. He's also, uh, a pretty, pretty darn good baseball player too. So that'll be interesting to see if he tries to play both in Nebraska. I think that door is definitely open uh, given his talent, but uh, you know, the, the, I guess the demands of playing quarterback in college and trying to do baseball too, that's uh, kind of tough to do nowadays. Yeah, it would certainly, it would certainly be tough to pull off. And, you know, that's, that's 2023. Nebraska is hoping to have MJ Morris on campus. Uh, May 1. I didn't even mention that. I mean, May 1 looks like it's going to be a, a decent visit weekend as well. You're going to have uh, some key guys there. Um, hopefully, MJ Morris for Nebraska's sake, the quarterback out of Atlanta, but also Chris McClellan, defensive lineman out of Oklahoma. I talked with him a little bit. Really likes Nebraska. This is a guy that's hearing from a lot of the top teams around the country, and he is excited about what's going on in Lincoln. He wants to see it for himself, wants to be in the stadium, 
soak up the atmosphere. I know he's been hearing a lot from Coach Held and from Coach Tuioti. And so uh, they they are, you know, working any way they can to get these guys to campus. That's basically the, the route that Nebraska wants to go here. And it, it seems like despite all of evidence to the contrary, and certainly the Nebraska's issues inside its own state aside, you know, elsewhere in the country, the message is received. Nebraska is still, um, you know, doing pretty well with some of these targets that they have. And so I, I think that's always kind of important to remember. We can get really locked into what they can't do necessarily here in the state at the moment uh, versus what they have been doing. And so I, I think it's important to acknowledge that as well. What, what do you kind of think the camps, the camps are going to look like in June? What camps are going to look like? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think they'll probably look a little different than what they maybe have in the past. But um, I, I guess, you know, wh what are you expecting, you know, guys to show up to, to do? I mean, this is the first look for, you know, a lot of 2022 guys uh, in, in person um, and, and certainly, you know, the 2023 guys. So it's kind of a blank slate for a lot of these guys that are going to be kind of making the camp circuit. Yeah, I think camps are going to be huge wherever they can have them. And, and you know, whether it's the team camps or the the individual ones, guys are going to be trying to get to Nebraska to to get some film out there. And because of that, I, I think Nebraska is in a pretty good position where they're going to be um, having some quality players on campus and just here in the area as well. And so, um, I, you know, I, I don't know that the numbers will be necessarily as big. I think Nebraska might limit it a little bit. Uh, I don't know if they're going to have as big of Friday night lights and, and that sort of thing, but we'll see. I mean, it, it's things are, are trending in the right direction as far as uh, being able to have these guys on campus. And certainly um, Nebraska wants to be able to have these camps. They already have their, their ones listed and, and the dates are out there. They're going to have two Friday night lights. One's going to be on, June 4th and, and one will be on uh, June, what, 17th, I think, or something like that, June 18th. Um, so the Friday there. So it, it, it certainly looks good uh, in terms of, of what those camps could be. And they're going to be really important. I know talking with guys in, in the 24-7 Sports Network, the expectation is 23s, 24s are going to be camping all over the place to try to make up for, their, for lost time. You, you may not see as many 2022s. Uh, and, and remember, one of the things that has been discussed here is that there might be, because there's no evaluation period for coaches to go on the road, kids might be able to take unofficial visits and get individual workouts. And that would be the first time that's ever been allowed. And so if that does pass, then things could look a lot different for like the 2022s uh, and, and maybe some top end 2023. So that's we're keeping an eye on as well. But again, it all just looks really positive for recruiting right now. And uh, Nebraska, it seems to be really ramping up for what's going to be a major month of June. That, that you, was a, uh, you guys want to run down baseball? Wait, we can talk baseball. That was a good rundown. You, you, uh, you got us all caught up. It's been a busy week with that stuff. There's a lot of stuff going on right now, but that's good because I feel like I have been bored as of late so i like this more than the more than the alternative let's uh let's dive into nebraska baseball which is not ranked to the chagrin of some people but they took another series that went two and one against maryland uh bryce matthews showed some power some pop i saw him hit a tank on friday and then he had a grand slam 
on Sunday. So let's, uh, let's dive into a little Nebraska baseball when we return and see what Michael Brunts knows about that club. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we are back. I promise you, Brian Christopherson is still on this podcast. You know, he hasn't said anything yet. So we're going to just throw it to BC. BC, what would you like to t- talk about? I was just listening to your insights on recruiting. You were you're the you're the man to, to hear from on that. So I I I no one to shut up. So I did. <laughs> you're too kind. <laughs> you are, uh, you're far too kind. All right, let's uh, let's let's dive into a little baseball here. Nebraska has looked pretty good so far this year in in the weird Big Ten only season that it has played. Uh, Brunt, what did you take away from their matchup with with Maryland? Who remember the Terps took two out of three from Michigan just a week before, and so it wasn't like they were coming in lacking any sort of confidence. Yeah, and they were they were one of the teams that was picked to finish in the top six um, at the start of the year, and, and Nebraska wasn't whatever that's worth. Um, but I, I mean, it, it just kind of confirmed, I think that Nebraska has a very, very good offense. Um, you know, if, if they can get the pitching together and, and be consistent enough there, um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, that this team can really kind of compete with about anybody. Um, but the way the schedule's set up, I mean, Nebraska hasn't played the, I mean, if it exists, the, the creme de la creme of the, uh, the Big Ten. So, you know, that all that's still out there for them with Indiana and Michigan and Ohio State still. But, um, you know, I, I think what they've shown is that they can really wear down teams with their offense. I think they can definitely score enough runs in a variety of ways. Um, if you look at their stats right now, they're towards the top of the league in home runs. They have – twice as many sacrifice bunts as the next team in the big 10. They steal bases, um, you know, at a, at a huge clip. And when you do that with kind of any kind of consistency, you make it really tough on teams. And especially as you get deeper into a series and, and you get some bullpen arms that maybe aren't as good, that's, that's pretty tough. So I, I think if anything, it just kind of confirmed that, you know, I, I think that offense is definitely for real. And, and we'll see, uh, you know, what they can do pitching wise, because I think that's going to be, you know, what what's either going to, you know, do them in or, or you know, allow them to kind of uh, remain in, in, in first place in the Big Ten and, and continue in the NCAA tournament talk. What uh, what are kind of the keys for this team? I mean, obviously, they, they can only play who they can play, but. What, what kind of stands out to you as to why this version of Nebraska baseball has been so successful in conference play? Well, I mean, I think, I think the pitching has been good enough um, to, to get them through. Um, you know, to me, the thing that stands out most, and I, I think it was Joe Acker that said this at some point a few weeks ago. Um, but, you know, Nebraska can really go one through nine um as a lineup and that hasn't been 
the case in the past. Um, and, and Acker said, you know, it used to be that, you know, earlier in his career that you kind of knew that if Nebraska was going to win, there were probably three or four players that you knew needed to have a decent night offensively or else it just wasn't going to happen for them. And I think that's the difference with this team is they, they can generate their own offense, um, you know, with the bunts and the stolen bases and all that other stuff. But, you know, they, they really don't have spots in their lineup that are, you know, easy outs. Um, you know, I, I think you saw that where, you know, Bryce Matthews probably should have had four or five home runs last weekend. And, you know, he was, he was batting really low in the lineup. Um, you know, Griffin Everett, the catcher, who's, you know, basically been the, the nine-hole hitter, um, is starting to hit too. I mean, Luke Roskam's playing the best baseball of his career. Same with Joe Acker. Uh, same with Jackson Hallmark. Um, so that's the biggest difference is, is, you know, if one guy's, you know, having a bad night, there's a, a lot of other guys or a lot of other ways that they can kind of pick, pick other guys up besides, you know, having to kind of stand around and, and wait for somebody to hit one out or, you know, relying on kind of your, your top end guys to get it done for you. So that's, that's the biggest difference to me. And I, and I think a lot of that is, you know, credit goes to Lance Harvell for the way that he's run things. I think that, you know, Will Bolt has, has set a really kind of strong example for how he wants guys to play. And I think guys are really buying into it and, you know, winning's infectious. It's fun. And that, that's just kind of where they're at right now. So that that's, that's the, been the biggest difference to me. And, and like I said, we'll see if that continues against better arms that you're going to see uh, from teams like Indiana and Michigan, but they're, they're chewing up the teams that they should. And with the way the Big Ten schedule is right now, that's really all you can do is, you know, go and, and beat a team that's in the bottom of the, the Big Ten standings because, you know, you, you, you're, you're fighting perception, you're fighting the, the RPI and all that other stuff. But, you know, if you just take care of business, that's really all you can worry about. Where are they? Where are they showing up right now in the RPI stuff? I know you you've written about it. What's the latest update? Uh, I need to look again. I think they're in the in the eighties, maybe. Um, you know, it, it's the, the they just don't really don't have, the Big Ten. You know, as a whole, just doesn't really have the the cash right now to um, you know lift those guys up. And then you know, Nebraska's played mostly teams in the lower half of the league, so. And Penn uh, State's has, next, right? Yeah, Penn State's next, and then they have Michigan State. Uh, Michigan right now is in 50, 57 in the RPI. Nebraska's at 76. This is the according to Warren Nolan. Um, so it, they're they're hanging around, um, but you're just not going to get the the bump that you would have by you know playing a let's say an Arizona State early in the year um, or something like that, and actually. Ohio State's at 35. Uh, Iowa was up there pretty far towards the end of last week. I think they might have dropped down a little bit. But, I mean, it, it's it's going to be tough, I think, come, you know, NCAA tournament time um, because you, you just – you don't have anything to go off of to compare the Big Ten strengths to, to other conferences. Is it is it fair to refer to Spencer Schwellenbach as the uh, Shohei Otani of the Big Ten? Seems that way, doesn't he? I don't know that he's hitting. What was it, 119 off the bat the other night? <laughs> yet he hasn't done it yet. Okay. Yeah. Now, he, uh, he's been he's a lot of fun to watch too. I mean, just the the great batter out there 
pretty good defender and then just watching him come out and pump gas in the ninth inning. I mean, it's, uh, it's remarkable. There hasn't been a lot of Nebraska players, I think, that have had that skill set. And, um, you know, he's, he's doing it both ways and he's doing it really well both ways. Yeah. And it's, it's funny too. I mean, like they, they were super cautious with him. Um, you know, he really wasn't even throwing that much during practices um, in, in the, in the spring before the season started. And now, I mean, you're, you're starting to see him come back, you know, two times a weekend, um, you know, and, and, you know, I don't think people really appreciate either how difficult that is to basically play, like play an entire weekend of baseball, um, hitting, playing shortstop. And then on a Sunday, come in with almost no warm up in the last inning and you're pumping like an easy 96. Close it out for Cleveland. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, did Cleveland win, Mike? They're up two nothing. <laughs> so, but I mean, the, it, that's what he's doing, and it, uh, he's extremely talented. He's he's not going to be back next year. He's going to get drafted. Um, so you know, appreciate him while you can. But his his emergence as a pitcher, or at least getting his arm issues figured out, has been one of the huge storylines for that team this year. Is it? Uh, and this is uh, the last question I have, but. It, does it kind of feel like Nebraska has this group as it sits for about one year? Because it feels like some key pieces are likely going to be selected when that major league draft rolls around. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you're, you're, you're going to lose Roscoe. You're going to lose Acker for sure. Um, you know, I think Schwellenbach is, is gone um, just based on kind of where he's, you know, ranked in a lot of the, the pre-draft stuff. I think Cade Povich is, going to have an opportunity and a choice to make um, based on his performance and what he's done this year. Uh, you know, you, you're likely replacing, um, you know, two of your three weekend starters. And, you know, you, you, at the same time, though, I mean, you, you have Leighton Banjoff coming back. You have Max Anderson coming back. Bryce Matthews is going to be back. Um, you know, you, you're getting – likely getting Colby Gomez back from, from Tommy John, Kyle Perry's coming back from Tommy John. Um, so, you know, the, they're going to have to find replacements, but I think going back to what I was saying earlier, I mean, they, they have guys that are getting at bats and getting good at bats um, and, and performing well. So I don't, I, I think there's going to be, you know, definitely guys missing, but I think they also have guys coming in who, um, you know, can kind of handle the load too. I mean, the, the big question too is, you know, is Drew Christo, what's his situation going to be? Because if, if he somehow gets to campus, I mean, that's a, that's a weekend built in weekend starter for you for the next three years. So um, they'll, they'll, they'll reload, but they're definitely going to be missing some guys next year too. All right, gentlemen. That's uh, that's everything we got on this podcast though. So we are going to give the listeners one last treat. Give me the player who stands out at open practice on Saturday. Brunt. Give you two. Um, I, I, I only get one. Well, you can say two. I just wanted to be hard ass for no reason. Um, I think Oliver Martin's going to stand out. And I think that. 
Both of mine were wide receivers. I didn't want to go there. Um, I think I think Austin Allen's going to have a strong scrimmage. So there's there's your All two. Right. It's not even a hypecast in Austin Allen getting some love. Yeah. Well, Jack Stoll's gone, so it's free to – you can mention tight ends now. No one's more excited about that than Brian Christopherson. That's right. <laughs> Finally got rid of him. All right. Who you got? Uh, give me a, give me a Logan Smothers. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was, uh, it was encouraging that he had one of his, his best throwing day (laughs) since he's been here, uh, last scrimmage. And that's big because I, I sort of at the beginning of last week was like, I don't know what's going to happen with that backup race. I still don't. But, uh, if Smothers could piece a few, good scrimmages together maybe he can uh put a leg out in front since he has a year advantage on harburg we'll see all right i'm gonna go with chris kolarovich who uh has has you know been pretty good so far and had a great off season and i anticipate people will be uh excited to see what he can do among those new guys and new faces and he'll be in a visible role so that's that's my guess there all right I think that's everything I got. You guys want anything to say to close it out? No. I'll give you a defensive guy, too. I think Nick Henry is going to have a good one. <laughs> is that th- three guys you picked now? Three, three guys. We didn't even say a running back, either. We didn't even get on the, the Yant the Yant hype train or the Gabe Irvin hype train. Are we going to have to do another spring draft? Yes, we should. I think I can I can finally run the wishbone. I think that's really all I want to do. We need to go back and look at our teams based off the uh, how they played in the season and see see how it how it looked. Let's let's plan on doing another draft though. I'm game. Runs, who you got? I'm sorry. Did did you say a player? I missed it. Yeah, Henrik. Nick Henrik. Okay. All right, there we go. Brunch, do you have any more? Do you want a fourth? Uh, no, I'm good. I'll, I'll stick with three. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to close this train wreck, and uh, we're going to invite you to check us out at Husker 24-7. we got plenty of stuff. we got recruiting stuff up. Uh, Jalen Marshall, I'll have a story on him tomorrow, hoping to catch up with some other recruits here this week, and that stuff should be up on the side as well. Don't forget, Nebraska is playing in a volleyball playoff all housed at the uh, CHI Center, Quest Center, CenturyLink, whatever the hell it is over in Omaha. That's where all the games are at. They'll be playing here shortly, and those games are going to be coming up. We'll have some coverage on that as well. So be sure to check out Husker 24-7. We got everything from spring football to recruiting to baseball to volleyball to whatever happens for Nebraska, basketball recruiting. All of it can be found at Husker 24-7. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. 